it's been a while since I've done a live one. Hello. Uh, by the way, I already know that the title is wrong for this live stream episode. You know, I'm a bit out of practice with these live stream things now. But today I am talking to Ritesh Reddy for an hour, probably an hour-ish, talking about how to have fun. Seems a bit weird to talk about that, doesn't it? Um, probably talk a bit about my new book, talk a bit about why I'm so tired. And yeah, we're just going to have a fun chat for the next hour. I've got him muted at the minute. I've got to make sure I don't forget. Are you there? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> right. Let's go. Let's have some fun. And we are live. Live. How are, you, how are you doing, man? Doing great. How are you doing, Craig? I am doing good. It's been so long since I've done one of these live episodes that it feels like quite a bit alien. So the first problem is we're live on Twitter and YouTube right now, and it says yeah. Friday Visualizations. That's the title of this. So <laughs> maybe maybe that's a bit more exciting. Um <laughs> Than, uh, yeah, imagine if you could visualize yourself with my head right now, and I'm going to visualize myself with your head. Just imagine that for a second. Visualize that. Close your eyes and imagine like you have my face and I have your face. That's terrifying. I don't, I don't, wanna, <laughs> don't want to imagine that at all. <laughs> so, oh God, where, where do we begin? Um, so I've been following you on Twitter for a little while now. Um, mm -hmm. and I just asked you just before we went live, we've had a couple of chats now and, uh, I'd never asked you before if your real surname was ready, your real surname, <laughs> your real surname is ready. So, um, I've been following you on Twitter. I love your energy. I love the kind of stuff you talk about, about fun and things like this and, um, trying to get more fun in those lives and things like that. I think that's a really important point, but. I want you to do a quick, and I hate doing this at the beginning of podcasts, but nobody's probably going to know who you are. I want you to do a quick 30-second introduction of who you are, where you came from, and why the focus is now on fun. All right. So my name is Ready, and it's just so easy to say the word Ready. So, And I love being ready, and I'm all about being ready. <laughs> You're always and, ready. Well, yeah, I'm always ready, right? So... <laughs> Like when you call me on a call, I'm just like, yes, let's do this. Someone calls me like, you know, would you like collaborate on something? I'm like, yes, let's do this. The reason I want to do that is because for me, it's all about fun and games and play. And all of that, I feel like has to happen or it happens much better if I'm doing it with someone than just playing alone by myself. Right. And this obsession with play came with the whole COVID and Corona virus kind of a thing. And seeing death all around me kind of made me want to milk the most out of life, whatever moments I have left. Well, I don't know, right? I could die at, you know, 50 years from now, I could die 15 minutes from now. Well, I hope I can finish the podcast at least, but I hope so. The idea is, yeah. So if, if I'm going to go 15 minutes from now, I'm going to have all the fun sitting right here chatting with you. Right. And that's why I'm so obsessed with the idea of play. So you said it came from coronavirus, right? 
I, I want to know mm-hmm. a little bit about the thing that you've told me before about quitting your job and yeah. retiring and, and things like that. Cause I think that's yeah. one of the, <laughs> the craziest, but also most inspiring things that you've done. Yeah. I think it just happened. I don't think I ever planned this. I don't think I ever was unhappy with my life before this, but there was death in my family. There was death around me open the TV channels and there's you no know, death everywhere. And this just struck me at a time when, you know, there was a physical lockdown, businesses were closed and I couldn't run my business. I actually had broken my leg, so I couldn't actually physically move. So there was a whole bunch of different kinds of lockdown, disease, death, all of this happening in my life. And that got me thinking like, I actually had to deal with the death of my uncle and I was trying to deal with the logistics around that, trying to, you know, handle all of the the funeral, the hospital, the medicals, the logistics of his house, his property, et cetera, et cetera. And it got me thinking, like, shouldn't I be having my will ready as well? So it all started with trying to plan a will. So, okay, how do I build my property? Where does it go? Who gets what? And all of this was happening. And while I was doing that, it struck me that my legacy that I'm leaving behind doesn't matter to me when I die, right? I may leave something, it could be a physical asset, it could be knowledge as a legacy, it could be uh, a reputation as a legacy to, you know, to my kith and kin. Mm. But none of that really matters to me when I'm dead, right? So, and if I'm going to be spending my moments of life trying to build a legacy for someone else or for the rest of the world when I'm gone, who's going to be focusing on you know, making the most of my life right now, right? And that's when I just kept mulling over that, mulling over that. And at some point it struck me that probably the only thing I can do if I have just 24 hours to live and I'm in lockdown, I can't go out, I can't meet my friends, I can't go partying. What can I do if I have just 24 hours to live and I can't go out anywhere? I'm just locked up in my own house, right? And that's when I started thinking like, the only thing I can do is play right now, right? And what can I play? I'm a 40-year-old adult. Like, what am I going to play, right? And that's when it all slowly started, like, clicking into place. Like, ah, oh, like, how do I play? What do I play with? Who am I going to play with? And that's how this obsession with play began. So you got to the point where you decided that you were going to quit, basically, mm-hmm. retire, mm-hmm. How how do you go through with that decision? Because, you know, I, I assume you've been working all your life, right? You know, that, that that's that's a long time. How how do you go from? Because this is a question of identity, really, isn't it? You've you've yeah. gone from being this particular. Did you say you were a mechanic? You had no. So I have a bunch of businesses that I run. I run a studio. I run a fabrication unit, right? And I had like a real estate business. So all of this together was something that I was running in different, I had different avatars of me and all of this was just in autopilot anyways, even before the you know crisis brought me down. But, and I've always thought of myself as a jack of all trades, right? So the hardest thing for me to ever do was build an identity. Like okay. I've always been thinking of myself as a schizophrenized person. Like, you know, I I could be this one minute, I could be that another next minute. And I've also had a past with with being an addict and, you know, completely nose deep in addiction. And like, 
when you're an addict, you're constantly playing different roles and you're, you know, you're doing whatever it takes to get your fix, right? So it's so hard to have built any specific singular identity in my life. So it always was like changing my clothes, right? So I just put on a new identity and I do what I needs what needs to be done. And then I'm doing something else the next day. I'm doing something else the next year. So I've always had this feeling that I don't really have a singular identity to speak of, right? But that said, you're right. I mean, I'm 40 years old. Like the last thing I want to do is just shed a single sense of personal conviction in myself about my capabilities, my abilities, and my responsibilities as a full-grown adult, right? And to just drop it all would have not been something I would have thought of if not for the crisis, right? And since my businesses were closed down any which ways, I had no other option but to either look at it as, okay, things are going to get better, two months, two weeks, two months, two years, whatever, and things will eventually come back to, you know, back to square one. Or I could think of this as an opportunity to actually retire at 40. I mean, that's a dream, right? Everyone wants to retire early and, you know, do nothing with their lives, just like languish in, you know, money and just roll around and do absolutely nothing and just have fun, right? I mean, retirement, when you retire early, the idea is to have fun, is to blow up all the money you have and just like spend it. So I was like, okay, maybe that's what I can do without actually having to, you know, make a million bucks. Let me see how much money I have in the bank. Let me see how much I can, you know, muster around and spend it all. And that's, I just took the decision in a span of two hours. It was an intense two hours. And then I spent the next two weeks making a detailed plan of how I'm going to execute all of this. And it took me two months to eventually completely close everything down. But I think what most people would have done in your situation, and I'm just trying to think how, how I would have approached it, so I would have been mm-hmm. right. My, I can't run my businesses that I've got right now, but I'm only 40 years old. I'm, I don't want to stop, you know, quote unquote stop. I, I don't want to retire because the word retire feels like I've given up or, or whatever. I'm, I'm not, I'm not my dad or I'm not my granddad who, you know, they retired at 60 or 70. I've got way longer life left before I want to stop and, and give up. I, I'm using these words on purpose, you know, give up and stop and things like that. So most people, especially me, I would have gone, right, this business isn't working anymore. So I'll start another business or I'll go get a job or whatever. So that's the bit that I'm really curious about is where you didn't do that. You said, right, <laughs> I, I'm going to escape this shit. I'm going to escape the, the rat race completely. I'm going to just retire, <laughs> which is amazing. You know, I use exactly those words that you used. I said, I'm giving up, I'm stopping, I'm quitting, and I've turned into an old man. I use exactly <laughs> those words. I told myself exactly that. It's what I we said, think, How isn't does it? it sound? It's what, it's what we think, isn't it? When we think of retiring, yeah. we, we think yeah. we've given up, we think we've got old, and we think there's nothing left in life, don't we? Yep. And that's what I wanted. Like, that was the experiment, right? I said... Like, what if I do this? So, like, this is, like, one of those freaky social experiments that you see on you know, on YouTube that people are trying out weird stuff. And that's exactly what I thought. I said, let me give this a try. If I say it's a sabbatical, if I say it's just a temporary thing, 
then mm. I'm never going to get into that actual mindset, right? So what if I actually do it? Like I, I went through with it. I, you know, put my money where my mouth is and I said, okay, so this is what I'm going to do. And then I just sat down and I spent every single day just lying in an easy chair, pretending like an old man. And that wasn't so hard because like I said, I busted my knee. So I was actually like an old man walking around on crutches and just like, you know, lying all day in an easy chair and saying like, you know, nothing. I mean, I can't move around. I can't do anything. It actually felt like that. And, and I think that was the best decision I ever made because that made me focus on on the idea, the spirit, the concept of play. Because if you look at it, think of think of all the old people you know, right? They are spending all their time with the with their grandkids, right? Because they want to be with that spirit of play with the people who are playing. They don't want to spend time with like, you know, people in the adult space. They don't want to spend time with the other old people. They want to spend as much time as possible with really young people who are spe- who are playing. Yeah. I I think there's there's somebody who I who I know who I'm thinking of when we're talking when we're talking about this and, and until very recently I don't know whether he'll be listening he might be until very recently um he he'd been running is that your alarm going off you know it's until very recently, he'd been running a design agency and, and he and he was in his 70s at this point. And he said, why would I ever give up? Because I love what I do. It's not a job. I, you, you know, it's, ju- it's just me. It's my identity being a designer, doing this work for clients, all this kind of thing. And then fairly recently, he, he decided to kind of semi-retire. Um, and, and now, without putting words in his mouth, I'd probably say he's quite semi-retired. But he still... <laughs> holds on to the idea of being a designer right so his his identity is still there as a as a worker and whilst you might not have had an identity as a you know as, as one particular thing as a real estate guy or a fabricator or whatever you still there's still the core identity between the two things in the, isn't that there's worker and retiree <laughs> and uh, worker and guy who does nothing a worker yeah. and layabout those kind of two th- i i am 40 years old i need to work or i am 40 years old and i'm gonna lay about so that switching from worker to i am gonna have fun all day long i that that's a really big mindset shift how how have well how have you found it i think it's like i said it was simply the best decision I ever made because every single day I woke up, I had absolutely nothing to do. I had nothing to look forward to because like I said, I made this decision thinking that I'm going to die or imagining that, you know, the possibility of death is the strongest possible possibility in my life every single day. And this was more like an experiment. I was like, okay, if people are anyway dying around and people are really like so panicking around this virus right now, and this wasn't right now, this was like entire year before when it wasn't as serious as it is right now. Right. And nobody really knew that this is going to actually like kill like, you know, thousands of people across the world. So I just like, it was like make believe for me. Like what if, what if, like the entire game was what if, what if. So I just woke up every single morning. I sat in the garden. I had like a notebook and I would just like throw my thoughts in there. 
And it actually was, I could say it was a very dark space because I didn't have any coherent thoughts coming out of my head. But I actually started by doodling, by drawing, and just scratching all over the book. It was a physical book with a pencil and a paper, and I was just like, I couldn't get coherent thoughts out, right? And I was just like scribbling, scratching, and just putting it out there. Over time, I started like writing, and just raw emotions would come out, and I did an entire, well, uh, a flashback into the past, and I went through all the moments of my life that I held dear about the people in my life that I held dear about the people in my life that I hated the people in my life that I loved the moments in my life that I cherished the moments in my life that I regretted. And all of this was, it wasn't a structured process. It wasn't like I was learning journaling. It wasn't like I was doing some sort of structured program, but it was just a purge. Right. And slowly, 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 I got addicted to the idea of writing. And as I started doing this, the idea of play crystallized stronger. And I actually had like 10,000 words of a book, of a mini book on the subject of play. Right. And that's when I said, this is it. I don't need to find something. I don't need to find anything. All I need to do is just, you know, just play around with ideas, play around with thoughts, play around with, you know, and my basic survival wasn't at stake, so I didn't need to work. I just, well, but as I was experiencing this idea of a near-death experience, because like fake near-death experience, but still, yeah. I found that the need to play was overriding the need to work. So do you feel now that there is a need to do something? Do you still feel like you need a purpose i guess purpose is probably the word that i'm 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 really thinking of here because uh it, it sounds like what you what you really did is you went from a pretty structured life you know same kind of life that i'm living nine to five whatever um kind of needing to work so your purpose you wake up because you need to go and serve your clients or you need to go make that thing or do that thing because the purpose is there so do you still frame it as purpose now? Because you mentioned need a few times. Is it still a purpose? So is the purpose now fun? Or or is that kind of word gone? Yeah, that, that would be fun to say the purpose is fun. But in a way, I agree with you because I think one of the you know profound realizations that I had was that the purpose of life is to play, mm. right? with whatever it is to play with ideas. So if you decide to make a living as a designer, and if that is your identity and you decide to play with that one identity, well, then that is it. And if you decide that your, your purpose is to play and it's just like, you know, my purpose is to play and then like fill in the blanks, play what you could play as a musician. You could play as a designer. You could play as something else, or you could just leave that blank and keep filling something in it every single day. You don't have to keep that filled for the rest of your you know, living years. You could keep changing it every day. You could keep changing it every hour. You could keep changing it every now and then as and when you wish, right? And that's exactly what I'm doing. Some days I'm like, you know, obsessed with writing. Some days I'm just like making podcasts and rackets like you've been on one of those, right? Some days I'm just like trying to doodle and draw. Some days I'm just like running around 
climbing trees, playing with cats. Like, you know, like I have no idea, but then for that moment, like that is my purpose. Like if you'd see me in the garden chasing a cat, you would think I'm like some feral creature who's like, you know, uh, <laughs> Mowgli from the Jungle Book. Because <laughs> I'm like dead serious when I'm playing that particular role for that particular time. I think the reason why I said purpose is, uh, and, and kind of the kind of things you were saying then, That's that sounds like, you know, you, you wake up on a day, you're playing with cats on that day, there isn't kind of a driving purpose of that. It is literally being present in the moment. But the reason I really ask purpose is because I I think this, this affects most men really strongly, that we, we feel we're, we're goal-oriented creatures and we're, purpose-driven creatures so you you ask a man to knock a wall down and he'll knock a wall down whereas when he's he's not got the purpose um that's kind of when things tend to go wrong isn't it so that's that's why i kind of use that word specifically because that's that's a big shift for kind of a man to make isn't it yeah and it's still an it's an ongoing experiment so like i can't really give you a hundred percent finite answer because like I've been trying to do this in everything. Like for example, if I'm trying to do chin-ups, I have a purpose. Like, like at the end of the month, I want to be able to do this many chin-ups, right? I need to be, I want to be able to do a one arm chin-up. So I always have like a goal I'm working towards. And the first thing I did with this whole obsession on play was to throw all of that to the wind. So now I just pick up weights when I feel like it. I just run when I feel like it. I'm not counting calories. I'm not counting reps. I'm not counting sets. I'm not even, I don't have a schedule to adhere to. I don't have a program. I don't have like a, oh, today I'm going to do this. Tuesday I'm going to do that. Monday I'm going to do this. Nothing. Right. I'm purposely doing the exact opposite of everything. I'm going, you know, completely feral. I'm just working with my instinct rather than sticking to the plan. And you're right. Like that gives me a sense of purpose when I have a goal, when I have a finite destination to work towards, to walk towards, like it makes sense. And it makes me feel like I belong to something makes me feel like I belong. I have a higher purpose in life Mm -hmm. than just existing. Right. And that's exactly why I'm doing this. Like for me, it's all an experiment. Like, can I actually survive as the full grown adult, a testosterone male, who's wild and aggressive and, you know, try and do, you know, real stuff, like go out there. Like, it, like if I was an animal in the wild and I had my whole pack behind me and we were going out there and hunting, like, what are we hunting for? Oh, I don't know. We're just like running through the forest. Like, what do you mean? We don't know. Like you should know, like we, but, right. Like I don't have a purpose. I don't know what I'm doing. So it's unnerving. It's scary. It's uncertain. And I wanted to experience all of that. I said, you know, if I'm going to feel this, I want to feel it and know what it feels like to feel that way. Mm. And so far, to tell you the truth, I'm doing great. I feel wonderful even without all of that. I feel more childlike. I feel less stressed. I don't feel that tension in my muscles anymore, which I used to feel Mm. every single day at the end of the day, right? I feel so light. I feel less stressed in my brain and my mind isn't thinking. I don't see a a timeline 10 years back, five years back, five years in the future. 
my, you know, what's my future going to be like? I don't see that timeline. My timeline seems to be narrowing, 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 narrowing into the moment. Yeah. It's, it's funny you mentioned that about stress because I've, because the magic visual comes out tomorrow, the book that I've been working on, plug, mm-hmm. got to get the plug in. Um, and it, it comes out tomorrow. It's only 25,000 words, but that has been my entire evening focus for the last week. Bear in mind, I still run the agency, so I've been working nine to five-ish on the agency Monday to Friday, coming home, either walking or getting in a little workout and then sitting down at my computer for four or five hours every night, but, you know, just typing at the keyboard, whether I want to or not. And then at the end, so probably Wednesday evening, by Wednesday evening, my shoulders were just just like permanently just tight and my whole scapula down the back there was tight and it's still a bit tight now it's loosening off a little bit um and then what's really weird about it is that as i started to get towards the end and started to see the finish line and then finally when i'd I'd done the final checks of the book and said right this is good enough this is going on to gumroad and i uploaded the files today i'm really tired you know, because I didn't get much sleep last night because I went to bed late um, just so I could rest. I actually chose to stay up a bit later just so I could sit and watch TV and do nothing for a bit. Woke up this morning, I've had about five hours sleep so far today, and a lot of that stress has gone. So a lot of that muscle tension in the shoulders uh, and the neck has gone. It's still there a bit, a little bit, but a lot of it's gone. And it is so crazy how so much of that stress, uh, how so much of that kind of aches and pains, especially around the neck and the shoulder and the back area, upper back area, is related to stress. And we, what we think we need to do is, well, we don't ever think I'm going to do less of the work, do we? That that's not an option. Um, so we just think, right, I need to go to the gym more or I need I need to go to a physio or I need to go to a, a masseuse or whatever and get a massage. But all of that's just like papering over the cracks, isn't it? You need to deal with the the thing that's causing the stress. And because I'm I'm so kind of aware of this kind of thing and aware of my own body, I knew exactly what it was. But a lot of other people, you're kind of stuck in that loop where you just you can't change that, can you? You're not even aware. That's the situation. I think you said last time when we were talking about that that mind and body connection, and I think probably now why you feel so good is because you're letting the body run free, and it, it, it's yeah. under it's under no expectations of doing anything particularly performative. It doesn't it doesn't have any tasks it has to perform every day, and I think there's probably something deeper there with the human body and the mind and the soul, if you believe in that kind of thing, where when we're forcing it to do something and there's a bit of resistance, it starts to appear in the body, doesn't it? it it's fascinating. Yeah. yeah. On that note, you won't believe it. Like I spent at least a month just swinging, right? So the first thing I did was just hung up a couple of handles and I would just swing every single day. I would just swing. Like one is I couldn't use my legs so much. So that was probably one of the things I could do. But I didn't focus on lifting, you know, doing something strenuous with my upper body. Instead, I would just swing. And it was just like, I would imagine like I'm like Tarzan in the jungle or something and you know, visualize that in my head and just swing, right? And like I'm just 
carefree young child who's just like swinging through the jungle. And I would just visualize that in my head and actually just swing. And I, took, I think it actually took like two to three weeks before all that tension just dissipated. And, you know, like I can actually feel relaxed and free and completely like, otherwise it's like, I, I always felt like this, right? Like, mm. like the tension would always just like, like someone's just like holding you up there and just like yanking you up. And it just took me such a while. And I think, like you said, it's the mind body connection It's the fact that I was visualizing myself carefree and just swinging in the wild with no, you know, no troubles, no worries, nothing holding me back. And that comes back, you know, at the end of the day, it ties back into the sense of connection is kind of like when you say purpose of life, like I started thinking about it. Like if I don't have any purpose, if I don't have a role to play in society, then what am I going to do? Right. And that's when I started looking at my cats. I started looking at thinking about young human children. Like they don't serve a purpose in society. They don't have a purpose in society, right? And yet they're happy and yet they're unfettered and they're not confused with life. They're not trying to find a purpose yet, right? And that's when it struck me. The idea is to connect as long as I'm connected with someone, with the world in some way or the other, it's... I don't feel alone, right? The purpose in life is to be connected in some way or the other. And that's why a profession is so important. Like a profession is not just one's identity. It's one's way of connecting with everyone else in the world, right? So if I'm a designer, I know exactly how I'm going to connect with the world. If I'm going to be able to, if I'm fabricating something, like I know exactly how this is going to fit into the world's needs, right? If I'm running a studio, I know exactly what people need and they can come to me and I'm going to give it to them, right? All of these, it's what, how I relate with the world. So my purpose and my profession is essentially my way of relating with people in the world, Mm. right? And as an adult, we start to believe that this is the only way that can be done. But as a child, you know, the possibilities are endless, Mm. right? And that's what I'm trying to inch back towards. So it's like the curious case of Benjamin Button. I'm just like trying to go back into <laughs> you know, <laughs> mentally at least. <laughs> I'm, I'm just wondering when you start to talk about that thing about purpose. And the, the, I mean, this is a big, huge question that we're not going to have the answer to. But no. is it, is really the issue with purpose that we focus so much on needing purpose in that kind of adult way that it just makes us ill or maybe not ill but you know it makes us tight in the shoulders and things like that and we 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 connect with the wrong kind of purpose we think that the purpose is the job that we you know we we think our status really is is what i'm getting at we think the status part of the purpose is the most important but I yeah. love that description that you gave that actually the, the most important part of the purpose is having a thing that connects you to the world. It, it and, and once you find that thing, it doesn't even have to be a job. It can be anything. Once you've found that thing, then you have a reason with connecting with the world. But I'm wondering even if we can step it back one more and actually say that it's not even really about finding a thing to connect with the world. It's just finding a way to connect to the world and as soon as you found that thing you're happy and a bit more well quite literally grounded 
and and then and then when you're there with that you you know how to find people like you because you know what you're looking for you know how to connect with the physical world because I, I think we all need to connect with the physical world as well we know what we enjoy you know be that walking in woods versus i don't know walking in parks or some people might enjoy walking on roads in between cars and things i don't know but i think there's those two kinds of levels of connection and i think because so many of us spend so long of so much of our time thinking about the status in the world our status projecting our status playing status games really as as naval says it we never re- never really think about the wider purpose something i always think of about this is i've just been reading a book recently um by a, a french author and i can't pronounce his name it's la ruche fall or for call or something like that um and and the book is a is a book of of maxims basically so short sentences you know complete truths about life or whatever way you want to put it and it's it's got the it's got his biography at the beginning of the book and i always find it fascinating to read authors biographies you know old school authors this book was written in the 1600s so we're you know we're talking way way back here and these kind of people specifically specifically him the only book he ever wrote was the the most famous book that he's written was the maxims it's the only thing he ever did he he used to write uh write maxims kind of specialized in it almost he had a a troop of other people that he wrote them with a couple of other french writers and he found out that he was the best at writing them so he found his group that he wanted to connect with and then he kind of spent his whole life just writing these things and experiencing life and never really doing anything else kind of um i i, I get i guess the word i really want to use is is idling around you know he, he was the yes. true true the truth the true form of a writer and he only ever wrote the one book and it was released several times over the years, five or six editions of it or something with various changes. So he, he lived, you know, he was born, he lived, he wrote the book and then he died and that was it. Um, and I always find that quite fascinating because I think these days, if he lived in this world that we're in now, that wouldn't be enough for him, would it? It would that that status of writing one book wouldn't be enough, because um, he needs to give his Instagram followers something new every day, or his Twitter followers something new every day. But I think he lived fifty or sixty years or something like that, probably fifty. His fifty-year lifespan there, it was enough to do just one thing, and he wasn't really that bothered about status. Yeah, this, this kind of reminded me of. You know, the whole idea of living, leaving a legacy and, you know, leaving something that outlasts you and has a sense of immortality, right? So you, you feel immortal through the works that you leave behind. And in a sense, that's one of the things that people, that's why people work so hard towards something, like right? They want to leave behind some sort of a legacy. It could be money, it could be property, it could be like a book, it could be a movie, it could be something creative that they created. It could be any one of those things that they leave behind mm-hmm. because they can't stay behind, yes. right? They can't stay behind, so they want to leave something behind. And in a sense, you continue because you have physically died, but your ideas, your image your perception your brand your identity still remains right and if you look at it like 
creating like spawning your progeny and you know creating offspring is essentially a similar way of leaving behind a name right so i have so there's a ready there's going to be a mini ready and there's even going to be a micro ready and it just goes on and on like russian dolls and in a way i'm, I'm continuing my lineage my legacy and it goes on and on and on right so even if i don't create anything else i can create another human being who's going to carry on my lineage right yeah. and what if none of that's going to happen what if i was just born what if i just played what if i just died and that was it nobody ever knew about me nobody ever heard about me nobody ever forgot you know remembered about me like what if i'm still playing with that what if well i think if I mean, this kind of thing's so difficult now, isn't it? Especially with social media. And I think really it's social media that's fucked this up for everybody. Um, I think in another lifetime, and hopefully in our lifetime, where they're all kind of gone and other people deal with them in a much more healthy way. Side note, I think we're only just starting to see the impacts of social media. I think things are going to get much worse before they get much yeah. better. But, yeah. but but talking on this point, I, I think whenever there's a thing out there like social media or TV or, or whatever, whenever there's a thing that we can look to to say that we need to create things for, whenever we've got that idea, we're always going to be stuck in playing these status games of even to the point of having a kid or getting married. Yeah. That is just, you do it, you're doing it just because everybody else on Facebook is doing it. You're not, you're not doing it really for you. And I think if you can get past that, I think living a life of just potentially by yourself, I don't know, living in a cottage in a, in a wood somewhere, you never interact with anybody else. You never produce offspring. You never do anything of quote unquote worth. If you, if you, yeah, if you love that <laughs> life, if you love that life and every second of that you love, well, that that's a life well lived, isn't it? That's the best life, surely. Yeah. But how realistic is that? I mean, how many of your friends look at you weird now you've done what you've done? Everyone, every single one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Some of them with scorn, like a lot of them with scorn, a lot of them with awe, but it's definitely weird either ways. Why, why scorn though? Why, why do you think that? Because like you said, right? Like there is a certain status associated with work mm. and like, I'm not even making a pretense. I'm not even saying, you know, I'm just waiting for the COVID situation. I'm just waiting for things to get better. And then I'm going to get back on my horse. I'm just saying, no, I pack my bags and I'm ready to go. Like, and where are you going? Well, nowhere in particular. And they're like, are you depressed? Are you crazy? Are you losing your shit? Like, you know, maybe you should just get married and I think that will just solve all your problems. Right. And then, <laughs> so it, it's such a, so it is like, I wouldn't say scorn to my face, mm. but there is scorn because it's like, how could you take something of so much value a life that you're built up, you know, for 40 years and just throw it away and act like you're a freaking kid all over again. Mm. Well, I, th I think, I think one of the things that, this kind of idea of acting like a kid, one of the things I try to do every day 
when I'm not kind of working myself to death writing a book is to sit and do nothing. Like purposefully sit and do nothing and think, you know, what or not think, what you know, whatever happens, sit in the garden, just sit. And I I, I always like to try and do that because it, it kind of resets you, uh, in a sense. And there's so little opportunities now um, in our lives, and, I, and I'm very guilty of this. My entire life is full of things all of the time. There's so little opportunities in my life to just sit and do fuck all and and just sit there. Because, I, I, you know, I make it that way. I do that on purpose. But the, those moments where I do sit there like that... Um, they're, they're really quite special and some of my most creative ideas and thoughts and, and things that I write down come from those situations. So I, I wonder, I often wonder with people who are maybe scorn it a little bit, how, how they'd feel if they actually experienced it. But it's, it's hard. How can you, you can't give somebody your life for a day, can you? It's 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 just not really possible. So, how how do you? How would I get a little bit of what you've got every day? Have you got like a couple of rules or something? Maybe this is what you've written in your book. Have you got some kind of rules for play or fun or something you can give somebody like me? I've actually written down a few things which I look at. You know, like you said, it's a primal state of being. So I put down things, and I think one of the things is what you're already doing, being a visual artist. So one of the things is like you play with physical objects. So like that, you're you're good at that. You know, lifting weights, just running around, climbing trees, like playing with your physical body, and in relation to a physical environment, right? So in instead of lifting weights, maybe you just go and lift a rock and throw it around. Right. And now you're interacting with the environment rather than something that is uh, an object you placed in that environment. Right. Whereas if you walk into the woods and just pick up a stone, that's going to give you so much more sense of playful satisfaction than just lifting a dumbbell in your backyard or in your garage. Right. Similarly, if you want to like you can just play with your breath, like if you just if you want to take a break right now, right here where we are, like we can just play with our breaths. Like it doesn't have to be like some sort of a great breath work practice, but it could just be play. Like, you know, oh, how do you think like turtles breathe? They go like slow. <laughs> how do you think like dogs breathe? <laughs> right now, what am I doing? I'm just playing with whatever I have at this point of time, right? And then I could like pick up, I could pick up like objects here and try to like balance one on top of the other, like try to just, you know, play around with anything that I have right here on my desk, yeah. right? Playing with colors just boggles your mind, but that's something that's already part of your life, right? But what if you were to do that outside in the physical space, right? Take a spray can and instead of, you know, actually doing it on a computer, just walk out and spray paint, you know, something around your property and somewhere around, right? And I think a lot of this has to just, you know, staying with something as physical and as primal as possible. Colors, breath, movement, you know, thoughts, feelings, like just right now, what's the most, what's the strongest feeling I felt today? Today, the strongest feeling I felt was anger, 
and because I was trying to set up something and I mucked it up and the whole light almost came crashing down on me and like, ah, so like, like that's the strongest feeling I had today, right? So now I could just like throw that anger in there and just play around with it. And this is what I have in mind, like just the basics, anger, like emotions, feelings, rather than ideologies and thoughts and you know, it's very easy to get caught up in reading books and reading mental models and figuring out the whole thought process, cognitively speaking. Just throw it out of the way and just look at primal emotions. What do you feel like doing? I feel like going and breaking my head through a wall. Why? I don't know. I just feel like doing it. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Let's try something like that, right? And I think this kind of like, it will give you a big fat headache, but it is certainly <laughs> de-stress you as well. Yeah, I, I think all that kind of stuff you said is trying to get back to nature a little bit, isn't it? And I think you're completely right with the whole mental models thing. That it's it's like learning mental models is like learning how to drive an F1 car before you've even learned how to ride a bike or before you've even learned how to drive a normal car. The mental models stuff and, and any of that other stuff is so far advanced that you just don't even need to pay any attention to it, but that the majority of people get het up in all that complicated stuff when, you know, that somebody will be sitting down reading a mental models book and they don't even lift weights regularly or run or exercise regularly or or, or think or, or, or do any of the basics or eat healthily or, or whatever or have conversations or things like that. So there, there's kind of always a, a lot more primal stuff to think about first. One of the most enjoyable experiences in my life and it's why i do these podcasts so much is having a conversation this yeah. this situation that we've got here right now yeah it's being live streamed yeah maybe a few people are watching it and it's going to be recorded but it isn't for anybody else this is for me and you right now and yeah conversation i've always felt is like almost a a transcendental Trans is it transcendental? Anyway, a trans a transcend that that word. <laughs> it, it's a transcendent experience. That one I can't say. Um, you know, it just takes you out of everything. You, you know, we're having this conversation. You're over there, thousands of miles away from me. I'm over here, thousands of miles away from you. But we're connecting by having this conversation and discussing ideas and going back and forth. This kind of situation you can have with somebody if you let it, it, is is better than almost anything else you can do, right? Yeah, that, that, that's the connection I was saying, right? Like, if you look at it, like, think of soldiers, right? Soldiers fight for their regiment, for their, you know, for their, their regiment, their country. You know, they have a purpose. The country has an ideology. They're fighting for a greater goal, right? But if you ask any soldier in battle, at the end of the day, when bullets start flying and bombs start falling, the only thing that they fight for is the soldier next to them. They're fighting for their buddy's sake. They're fighting for the life of their buddy. You know, you watch my back. I got your back. Like, that's all it boils down to at the end of the day. All those fancy ideologies, all those magical kings and, you know, holy gods that you're fighting for, all of that just flies away when shit hits the fan and at the end of the day all you're left with is that purpose of the person next to you 
like it's the end of the day it comes right down to that connection mm-hmm. right it's easy to like you know throw pamphlets and you know have like a propaganda and think like this is my ideology in life i'm willing to give my life for it and blah 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 but at the end of the day when shit really hits the fan all you care about is that one single connection that you have mm. well i, th- I think that's it i think everything if you let it can be solved with a conversation can't it you can yes if you don't hold on to an idea too strongly i could discuss an idea with you right now and we could come to an agreement or a disagreement and i could work through that idea and tell you it and you could tell me what you think and if we'd had a bigger disagreement and you'd i don't know punched my cat we could we could talk <laughs> about that situation <laughs> and maybe it'd lead to more than a conversation but we, we could have that conversation and conversations can go so many different ways and i i honestly think this is one of the things over this last year with coronavirus and you know the the, the whole rise in depression and, and and people being really unhappy is the fact that we've been locked down the majority of us have been locked down in our houses unable to have in-person conversations with people because yeah. it is such a powerful almost meditative experience for so many people yeah and when you said conversation like even that in a physical sense is fighting right mm, conversation yes, yeah. with words is conversation and conversation with the body is essentially fighting if you look at children they always settle down to play fighting right it eventually comes down, put kids in the playground, they start off playing games, but eventually it comes down to play fighting. It's not that they hurt each other, but all they do is they want to get at each other, right? If you watch animals playing, like, you know, cubs who are just born, kittens, puppies, all they do is play fight all day long. It's a physical interaction between people, right? And that's that's something we are lost, right? Most people hesitate to even go beyond a handshake. Even a hug feels like really weird and awkward, let alone just roughhousing and, you know, just rolling around, mucking about and just having a laugh. Like it's it's a lost experience. It's a lost experience. It's just like a, a fraction of the population of the world engages in some sort of sport, which gives them some, you know, a semblance of that kind of experience. But if you look at every animal in the wild, essentially does that all the time. That's what they do when they're growing up. They're just playing with each other. They're just, you know, mucking about wrestling, grappling, just rolling around, just like, you know, jumping around, going and stalking each other, like pretending to hunt each other. Like, you know, there's just a whole bunch of physical interaction that we have kind of shied away in the modern world. It's like, I meet you, we shake hands. Like, okay, if you're, you know, maybe we hug each other just for like, 10 seconds beyond that don't make me feel awkward right and you know there's this whole sense of proper everything has to be proper you got to speak proper you got to walk proper you got to do things proper like and that's why i was tripping on your tweet about imperfect twitter right and i think that has so much of significance philosophically because all the time like everyone obsessed like how do i how can i be perfect in my speech how can i be perfect in my design how can i be perfect in this so there's this whole obsession that takes away sucks away the play element of anything and everything that you do yeah i, I think so i'm really rooting for that imperfect twitter 
<laughs> I, yeah, I, it is a, a wider philosophical point. You, you're right about imperfection. I, and I, I think the, the core of it all is the fact that humanity is imperfect by its design. Well, not by its design. It, it isn't designed. Um, well, that's my philosophical belief. But um, the, the whole idea of humanity isn't perfect. When we have a conversation, it isn't perfect. When we see, I don't know, the most amazing performance, a live performance from a band... It's never perfect. There's something about it that goes wrong or the sound's not right or the words are not right or whatever. And the, the very connection we have with another human is caused by those imperfections. And and it's it's, it's the whole, um, uh, what's it called? Uncanny Valley thing with, uh, you know, with animation and things like that. Whenever you're animating something and it looks too human, it looks too perfect we on a on an instinctual level know that it isn't real and find it a bit creepy that's the whole idea of the uncanny valley something that's too perfect that looks creepy when it goes beyond that point and i i think it's it's the same it's the same with perfection i talk a little bit about it in in the, in the book that i've just written about how the the way that we approach things too often is that we focus on the the style element of something first so we 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 approach it as in how i want to promote it to somebody so i I want to make sure that i use this color or this design or 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 basically make it look and very crafted in this particular format but really what we should always be focusing on this isn't just a design point this is also a wider philosophical point is the way that we think about things and the way that we project our thinking and communicate our thinking to the world because when you think about the wider points, when you think about the way that you think, when you develop your thinking, you can apply that to any kind of thing in the world. And that also your thinking is never perfect either. Yeah. But I saw this in the last week over Twitter when I've not really been present on there. I've been writing, I even joked about it a few times. It's Arvid Carl's phrase about think boy tweets. Um, I've defaulted to writing a lot of those kind of pivy, think boy type tweets, Naval type tweets, because it's the things that I was thinking on quite deeply. And they, they come from a genuine place. I wasn't just writing them for engagement or anything like that, because the majority of them did shit. Um, <laughs> but the reason they didn't do very well is because they were too perfect. And 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 that's not what I'm known for being on on Twitter or anywhere else. I'm known for being the way that I am, incredibly imperfect. So when somebody sees that, they don't connect to it because it isn't me. It isn't a human that's behind the thing. Uh, it's a very underrated point, I think. Um, trying to be less perfect in life because we are. I'll come back to social media again. We are almost trained these days to only show the highlights of our life we are not trained to show the everyday of our life and every single time i show the everyday of something people connect to that way more than they ever do with perfect things and i think like that's perfectly said (laughs) (laughs) damn (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, did. I didn't want to say it perfectly. No, yeah, it, and I think it comes it comes back to play as well a little bit, doesn't it? The play is never perfect. 
either. It's, you know, yeah. it, it's all messed up. It, there's no kind of order to it and that kind of thing. There isn't a, a linear focus or a purpose or anything like that. So I think there is a lot of connections between play and imperfection. I think, but there's kind of two, there's two competing things. I think we've come down to in this whole, this whole hour. Wow. It is an hour. Wow. Um, wow. <laughs> this, uh, this whole hour we've been talking Um let me just say hello. Cause Nikolaus, hello, Nikolaus is just popped on and said hello on the stream. <laughs> um, I think the whole thing we've come down to in this hour is the fact that there's kind of one approach to life and work and everything and that's trying to be perfect and playing status games and then there's the other side which you're doing really well at is the play side which is imperfect and not structured and that scares people and how do you even start with that and and, and it's the complete antithesis to the way that we are almost being trained to live our lives right yeah like i just dropped off a call just before i hopped in here and you know, one of the last questions was, how do I overcome my overthinking? And we we just, like the whole bunch of us on that call, we just started howling like wolves. And that's it. So I was like, you know, that's, that's just it. Like, just start playing with sounds. Like, even right now, for one hour, we had just been, you know, using structured, cognitively perceptive sounds, which can be patternized and recognized which is what we call language. And we've been sharing that with each other. But what if I was to just like bark at you, like woof, 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 right? right? And you don't know what I said, but it, it brought a smile on your face. There you go. <laughs> it brought a smile on your face, right? Because I just barked like a dog. It brought a smile on your face. Like maybe this, this 60 seconds, or, you know, like just six seconds of brought, provided greater value to everyone listening because we laughed. There was a sense of genuine laughter, which didn't require six minutes or 60 minutes of, you know, deeply insightful conversation to bring about a level of, you know, feel good, happiness, insightful, aha moment kind of a thing. It could just be something as simple and ridiculous as just pretending like we're weird animals when we're not. Well, actually, we are. We are humans. We are the weirdest animals. Yeah, we're, we're definitely the weirdest animals. <laughs> That's the perfect place to end it. We've just hit 60 minutes perfectly. Um, as always, it's been an awesome conversation. I love chatting to you. I, I know the reason I love chatting to you the most is I know nobody else quite like you. I have nobody else in my life with your perspective on life. And really, all I'll say is I hope you continue just being you. And... We'll, we'll probably chat again on the podcast soon. You've got about 10 or 20 seconds if you want to say something. Okay. Thank you so much. This was fucking incredible. And I'm just going to howl like the wolf. Oh. <laughs> oh, you've got about another 15 seconds if you want to keep Thank going. you, Craig. This was incredible. Yeah, I love talking <laughs> to you, mate. I'm just so glad that we made this happen. Like, this has just, like, you know, been a while in the making. And I'm sure there's going to be more of these in the coming. Love it. Speak again soon. Cheers, man. See you.